0: What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will, he not, uh, how will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ who died, or rather, who was raised. Who is also at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of christ will affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for your sake we are being killed all day long we are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us for i am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. in this episode we are taking on uh the longest letter of paul in this bible dyke deep dive romans Um, the letter specifically you know it's it's a letter to um the the church the early christian community developing in rome and we're going to get a little bit more into analysis in that text i just quoted a bit later um but i guess first off um in our Bible deck deep dive on Philemon did we really talk much about like who
1: Paul was? No I don't think we really did if I recall correctly
0: Okay um, well starting off um, this is one of the the authentic letters of Paul because if you didn't know some letters that are attributed to Paul in the New Testament probably aren't him um, and um, yeah out of all of his letters in the New Testament this is one he wrote latest in life about mm-hmm. 56 to 7 CE yeah. Uh, this means that his theology has had a lot of time to develop. It's considered to be his fullest explanation of the
1: gospel. Yeah. And especially when it comes to like Bible authorship too. If we learned anything in our Apocrypha episode, um people can write down whatever they want and say whoever say that they are whoever they are. Um so when we say stuff like, you know, Paul yeah, and God, so written so, all of like, his letters, like it's like were, you never know. Honestly. Yeah, I mean That's I feel okay. like we were taught
0: that like if it made it into the Bible, its authorship was um, was like authentic and that it was one of the original apostles of Jesus which I guess kind of included Paul even though he only saw the risen Jesus and not
1: the on
0: earth Jesus but
1: um, and the thing but is too it- like even people in my life that aren't religious will say like oh yeah like Matthew like the the disciple or like they'll say it think and they'll say like oh like John like John the Baptist wrote John and it's like well no no, like we actually don't know <laughs> what it's called this. We kind um, of well,
0: I, I feel like the most we can say is like we can kind of know about like we can kind of make inferences about what community it was addressed to, and it was probably like yeah. created, created by that community.
1: Absolutely, like, like what you know, point of view they're what point of view they're um, writing from, I guess too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but we can't necessarily say it was one author, and that's totally fine. You know, like it doesn't mean that what they're talking about Jesus is like less like true it just means that they have a certain perspective and that they like i guess said it in the name of an
1: apostle yeah
0: um and so i mean an important thing here is of course that like this explanation of the gospel that paul gives in this letter is paul's explanation from his understanding over the course of his like life um not jesus's words it's paul's human understanding Um, And let's talk about who the sort of story of Paul that we can find, I guess, in scripture. And I think also there's some there's some other historical documents that can corroborate some of these things. Um, Paul was originally Saul and was a Jewish Pharisee committed to the traditions of the Torah, and he persecuted Christians. Um, and then, like he on the on on the road to Damascus, as they say, uh, he had an encounter with the risen Christ. Uh, after which he couldn't see for a week. I don't know if you've listened to the song. Um, is it called a a an apology for Paul? wait? I forget. It's the new Derek Webb. One of Derek Webb's new songs on his Jesus Hypothesis album. I've listened to it so much I don't know why I'm forgetting the title of it. I haven't. Um, it has a really catchy melody, and like he sings, like you fell down at his feet in the middle of the street, and then you couldn't see for a week. So as I wrote the words on the <laughs> in our notes, couldn't see for a week. That was like in my
1: head. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, and it's again, it's a, it's interesting that he becomes like the most or one of i'd say next to jesus and if you ask some people maybe more than jesus he becomes i mean the like, evangelicals of, certainly knows... seem to <laughs> nope there it is uh he becomes one of the most important figures of christianity and it's i think it's kind of interesting because it kind of goes into the biblical theme of redemption and anyone can be redeemed even if they've led a life of being a persecutor yeah there's who, i don't think it's yeah. in
0: this book but he's like you know like Christ came to save sinners of whom I am the worst, or something like that, um, so that you know God could be glorified through that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's so it's it definitely does hit on those themes, which I really like about the story of Paul. Um, but again, as we'll talk about throughout this episode, boy oh boy, we have our issues with him, um, and so much uh, of what this person said has become so strong in Christ, yeah specifically evangelical and also Christian weaponized doctrine. even
0: though like i would argue that a lot of the time like actually reading the book of romans i'm like the way that evangelicals use this text is against paul's
1: actual intentions so i know the way i see it similar with the disciples if they came to the future today and saw how their words were being interpreted would they understand what was being said to them or would they be absolutely it appalled? would definitely be like uh, q and i'm like what the fuck they'd <laughs> be like what? um Also, the
0: song um, by Derek Webb is called "Sympathy for Paul." Although it's called that, it very much
1: holds Paul to account on his bullshit. So, (laughs) as it should, because even like I'll like sometimes when I get into tiffs with other uh, evangelicals, like I'll say like, "Oh, like you know, Jesus never actually said that; it was Paul that said that," and it always like. Blows Paul their mind. was divinely like,
0: inspired. He was saying like scripture. He was creating scripture. Even though Paul did not think he was creating scripture. Like that's also a very important thing. He didn't think he was giving advice to specific churches who had also sent him letters.
1: We're usually reading the response. Or yeah. And we don't know how any of these, I mean, like, I'm sure that there's some historical inference that can be made, but like, how did any of these churches turn out afterwards? Were they like, dear Paul, thanks for the letters. This is what we're keeping. This is what we're throwing away. <laughs> like, we don't actually know. Um, and then one thing that always gets people is when you say like, you know, Jesus never actually said he was dying for my sins. Paul was the one that said like he died for us that, and that we're gonna like, get
0: into that but i know you're fine but i definitely <laughs> just want to tackle
1: the clobber passage first um oh yeah
0: so there's the verses in it's uh, what happens
1: romans. when you what's what happens when you says we don't follow leviticus anymore and they go well what about paul and so yeah romans one twenty six through 27 for
0: this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. Their females exchanged natural intercourse for n- unnatural. Um, side note: It doesn't say like it doesn't say that's lesbianism. Um, and in the same way, also the males giving up natural intercourse with females were consumed with their passionate desires for one another. Males committed shameless acts with males and received in their own persons the due penalty for their error. So the first thing I want to say is that i feel like whenever this was quoted and it wasn't like really quoted much in my church but i always thought like they were referring to like a specific a specific group of people but then when you read the the entire passage of romans one you're like oh paul's like talking very theoretically
1: yeah absolutely and one interpretation that i've seen or i've read um and i know that we have our issues with the guy but matthew vines um was that like yeah, like they I was also natural... going to bring up
0: actually James and yeah. also who like again is yeah, sure. not supportive of polyamory and is kind of aligned with Matthew Vines, but like he Oh, does I didn't know probably... that. Yeah, um, so Bible gender sexuality. I would still recommend you know taking it with a grain of salt, but like it definitely has the most extensive and dense analysis of Romans one. Of like that, if you want to go like really, really get into Romans one and the honor shame culture, and the reason why, like Paul uses like word by word, phrase by phrase, um it's in that book. so, yeah,
1: absolutely. And then I was, yeah, like it was kind of that thing of like people gave up their their natural inclinations for unnatural. It's like, well, technically, like my natural inclination is towards women. So mm-hmm. would it be a sin if I tried to give up that natural inclination to an unnatural one towards and the men? Thing
0: is, like in terms of when it's referring to the women, it could be talking about masturbation. It could be talking about like um it could be talking about um them being the um I guess so back then there was like in, in sex there was the female position who was like submissive. And the male was the person who was, like, the penetrator, I guess. Um, yeah. And so possibly the unnatural would mean that, like, the women were taking the male position somehow in sex or, like, were involved in, like, temporal prostitution is, of course, a thing that comes up. And,
1: um yeah, and it even, it even also, like, I know even with the um masculinity that existed at that time, like, the idea of being dominated by another man was, like, unthinkable yeah
0: i mean especially that's probably like in terms of like what it means in the like the men with other men like the shameless acts were probably because like they were being in the um the submissive role therefore bringing like you know dishonor on themselves just in that culture um and also probably like so you know when paul's talking about this paul's Probably getting his ideas of evil from you know somewhere, and so I mean, like it might come from something Paul seen, like the pederastic temple prostitution that gets mistranslated as homosexuality into other yeah, which of the New again Testament.
1: we can all agree is awful. Like <sighs> yeah. n- no one in their right mind is going to say, well, actually, it's like no, we can all agree that that is terrible. Yeah, and um, also thinking and about like maybe he's out.
0: maybe he's thinking about like the gang rape in Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, which also we can agree is awful. Absolutely, <laughs> but, yeah.
1: Like um, no one is ever gonna disagree with that. And if they are, then it that is their own issue.
0: Yeah. But in any case, like I just I think, you know, this This verse is weaponized to, like, say that all LGBTQ people are, like, lustful and obsessed with sex. And it's, like, no, we can, we can be gay and also not be overly lustful. And also straight people can get caught in the problem of being, like, overly lustful.
1: Like, you know, so. I know, all of purity culture, I feel, is very lustful. And I <laughs> never have I met more people obsessed with sex than. Honestly,
0: <laughs> right? Because, like, they're afraid. Like, you know, pastors are afraid that they're. They're already married, but if they're alone in a room with a woman, they can't fucking trust themselves. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> or even like looking at like people now, like, what is it? The girl from girl defined as very sex positive now, but only in the context of marriage. And she's selling these sex courses. And it's like, you were telling people two years ago you put brought this upon well okay i mean she obviously like was in she
0: was influenced herself by purity culture and was like failed by that but also like you kind of also brought it upon yourself
1: (laughs) yeah and again it's the thing from going from that absolute like shaming um women especially for having any kind of sexuality to kind of doing a 180 and offering courses which you know is kind of scammy is Was just like seriously like y'all were y'all have been obsessed with sex this whole time (laughs) like I don't know what sort of purity or piety you think you're preaching here. Another
0: thing I want to bring up about this passage, you know, the language of due penalty in this verse has been used to refer to the AIDS crisis. Like, I think I maybe we need to do a fact check on this. But didn't Jerry Falwell literally say like this is like what that that is that they're getting what they deserved based in part on this passage in Romans I feel like I definitely have just like heard that somewhere you know Christians just like think that the AIDS crisis was LGBTQ people getting what they deserve yeah. Like, yeah and that's penalty
1: yeah I totally know what quote you're talking about um but yeah I'm trying to find it
0: and like I think from this text you know the idea of our sexualities being unnatural which you know Paul also says that long hair on a dude is unnatural so like
1: I know, Paul, as we have been told, like, as we have discussed and joked about, um, you know, Paul is a salty asexual. Yeah, (laughs) okay. Well, also a human, but like, (laughs)
0: um, yes, kind of a salty asexual. Also, maybe, maybe he was also, well, we can say that he was not interested in women. Let's say that.
1: (laughs) Oh, no way and it was yeah it was paul buchanan or not paul not paul i can't read it was pat buchanan who was the communications director for the president reagan um called aids which was first identified nature's revenge on gay men
0: Hmm. yeah and then
1: and then jay grimstead of the american family association told the advocate that homosexuality makes god vomit
0: Hmm.
1: so you know great stuff there
0: um so kind of in breaking down like what we were sort of taught about this passage and how it's influenced christians beliefs about lgbtq people what is paul actually trying to do here he's sort of you know when you look at the whole passage he talks about other forms of like evil and debauchery and i feel like he's trying to create like this sort of origin story of evil and like not trying to call it a specific group of people it's all theoretical you know and Mm -hmm ultimately he's describing this because he's setting up the jewish people of rome to sort of in their heads to get self-righteous to think they're better than the non-jewish world and then right at the start of chapter two paul hits them with this therefore you have no excuse whoever you are when you judge others For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself because you the judge are doing the very same things he calls out their hypocrisy he says you shouldn't judge and it's like yet this verse like a little just a little bit before that chapter two is like used to fucking weaponize against
1: lgbtq people (laughs) like exactly again it's looking at the greater context of what it actually means Mm -hmm. and also again people don't seem to be able to do this a lot of the time i feel like i mean and people when i say people it's not like people in our like you know um ex-evangelical community though it happens i think everywhere is not being able to look at the fact or maybe say, like, maybe Paul was flawed. Maybe some of the writers of the of the letters uh, to the different churches and the writers of the books of Bibles, maybe they were flawed because they were people writing this stuff down. Um,
0: I mean, and I feel like even, there was this one part that, like, Paul se- specifically says, like, I am speaking in a human way. Let me find it. Yeah, so this is verse, uh, Romans 3 verse 5. Uh, but if our injustice serves to confirm the justice of God... What should we say? That God is unjust to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. So, and then like, yeah, yeah. there's like, Paul didn't think he was writing scripture, but um, I guess another thing we're sort of, we sort of need to break down is sort of Paul throughout Romans uses the language of like sacrifice and we're saved by faith in Jesus and like the blood and atonement, like this a lot of like what is penal substitutionary atonement theory yeah comes from the book of romans comes from evangelical interpretations of the book of romans
1: absolutely yeah and i think it's in a way like that's the cause and then like people will find other verses throughout the bible to justify it in a way Mm -hmm. like i know that one of the big substitutionary atonement ones that was brought up was like oh when jesus says it's like he'll come like a thief in the night or something so like You need to be saved and born again. Like that was like definitely one of them. And then like again, people find their read their excuses.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, interesting thing though about uh the phrase when Paul uses the phrase faith in Jesus, something I learned in my intro to New Testament class in undergrad Mm -hmm. is that in the Greek Um, in could equally mean of, so we can be saved by the faith of Jesus rather than faith in Jesus, which I think is important.
1: (laughs) Ooh, that's, yeah, that's actually a very, uh, I've never heard that take before.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, like, talking about it in this way, that it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily depend always on our faith, which can definitely, like, falter and everything, but it depends on the faithfulness of jesus that we receive the salvation because it's not something that we earn
1: yeah absolutely very interesting like again it's interesting to be able to learn these different interpretations from a book that has been taken so literally and as like Like, this is also, this is on par with the Gospels. Sometimes, again, sometimes people believe it to be even more important. Whether they would admit that out loud or not is a different story, though.
0: Yeah, and before we maybe get a little bit more into the analysis of penal substitutionary atonement, um, I just want to say, like, the general thing about Romans, I feel like the actual theme, Paul's responding to, like, this very common conflict in early Christian communities, the divide between Jewish-born and Gentile non-Jewish followers of Jesus, do christians need to be circumcised and keep kosher this was a conflict that was even more pronounced because in the year 49 the emperor at the time claudius dispelled all jewish people from rome and they could only return after he died so the gentile followers of jesus in rome developed a very different culture during that sixish year gap and so when they got back there was a lot of conflict and so paul had to like come in and be like hey can we can we have our differences and still unite as a community um which again like part of me is like people take romans and try to say that we should all be homogenous and the same when paul was actually like let's live in community even amongst our differences yeah Absolutely. because he talks about like the sort of the unification of like the the jewish people with the gentiles and there's this beautiful metaphor about and uh, being grafted into an olive tree um in let's see Oh yeah, it's um it's in Romans 11. Um uh, let's see. Wait, does it start in? Oh. Okay, yeah, it starts here. Um Romans 11:17. But if some of the branches were broken off and you a wild olive shoot were grafted in their place to share the rich root of the olive tree, do not boast over the branches. If you do boast, remember that it is not you that support the root, but the root that supports you. You will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand only through faith. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God will not spare the natural branches, perhaps you... Uh, <laughs> this is, part, you know, again, where I'm like, Paul, uh, Okay, why? here we He's go.
1: Little, um,
0: for if God did not spare the natural branches, perhaps he will not spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness toward you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And even those of Israel, if they do not persist in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you have been cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree?" So like a very you know a mixed bag there in terms of yeah. ideas. I mean I like <laughs> the idea of like the the olive tree having like you know wild and the you know the difference like being this and like um also he uses the phrase what's interesting like he uses what is by nature and so he's saying that the thing created is like not not natural is sort of what he's saying absolutely um, but it's still holy so.
1: Hmm. huh I wonder (laughs) (laughs) um
0: and like yeah there's of course all of these things about like the wrath of God and judgment and like all that kind
1: of thing with Paul and like I guess sort of one verse that gets brought up a lot when um, especially early on was, of course, Romans three twenty three, which was "for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Like I feel like that but was, but like the up-
0: point of him saying that when you yeah. read in context <laughs> is like that he's like, "Hey, y'all need to stop fighting with each other because like all of us are just under God's grace," you know, like it's not
1: meant to like shame people. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's not. Yeah, and it's not. Um, I know one way that I would hear it was especially like when it came to proselytizing and spreading the good word was that was your opener was Romans mm-hmm. 323 whenever mm-hmm. you had to go talk to someone and it was like that's not first of all the Romans road <laughs> exactly <laughs> like is that a great opener. I don't think that's gonna hook anybody in. But also I don't want to tell someone immediately that like you have fallen short of God's glory, accept him now. Like that's not how I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, also another thing when talking about salvation that's really interesting um, is the part where he compares Christ to Adam let me Mm -hmm. find it again Um, therefore just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all and so if you think about paul's theology around i guess adam adamson making this condemnation for all of humanity which which is really interesting because like genesis doesn't well the, the, we are watch listen to our genesis episode <laughs> we,
1: have a, we have a whole we have a whole episode at least on the first couple of uh yeah. chapters of well, genesis. Yeah,
0: so basically it's our deep dive on the creation narratives um but anyway it's interesting that like Because that's not really necessarily explicitly in the text. But what's interesting is that, like, if he's saying that this condemnation was for everyone and then Jesus' justification is for everyone, doesn't that mean everyone? Especially because, when you think about it, like, the condemnation through Adam was not really through our consent, Um, you know? And so, therefore, does one need, like, for to receive that justification, does one need to like actively do anything for that or
1: i don't know yeah like i look i didn't ask to pick up this guy's problems (laughs) (laughs) i uh... Mm -hmm. you know it's very interesting too because i'm also uh Because this, I don't know why this just came to mind. I'm reading the book, um, My Disability is Not a Prayer Request. Ooh, I I really want to read that. Oh my God. How is is it? It's so good. I've read the first couple of chapters. It's incredible. Um, If Yeah. Um, But one thing that uh, the author talks about is, um, one thing that even Jesus says is when talking about like the blind person or like other people that he heals in the Bible, like this is nobody's fault right this is nobody's fault that this person has ended up like this it's not a curse upon them it's not a curse upon their families um which you know throws the whole like just world fallacy out the window um but it kind of reminds me of like taking on the burden of adam and eve it's like nope that was like that was his thing like that's not Mm. that's not our burden to carry but that's something that's continuously brought up again and again and again and there are ways that people justify it Again, mm, like, through mm-hmm. Paul and through,
0: yeah. Also, just a quick random thought. Um, what's interesting about those, like, healing stories is that, like, Jesus didn't necessarily do that because he thought they were broken, but because by healing them, they were able to be brought back into that society. Like Absolutely. You know, like, it brought them back into community, because typically some of their disabilities made them unable to enter religious life.
1: Yeah, and again, it's the being able to see the work, the work and the wonder of God, like, through um, someone who is disabled, whether or not they are healed is like, this is uh-huh. how the glory of God and the love of God can shine through this person.
0: Um, so like I honestly, after, yeah, in my intro to New Testament class, which was, I guess, like in, I took in 2018 at undergrad, um, I was definitely having a big crisis around um whether I was a universalist or not you know because i was okay. like well like if if i decide that like that all are, will eventually be reconciled then like what was jesus's death for i was yeah. wrestling with this and then after reading the entire book of romans for that class i was like okay i i think that all will one day be reconciled based off of based off of this whole text you know some people can read romans and believe in like very limited penal substitutionary atonement and the fire of hell And I came out of it not believing in any of that shit. God,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, Because, yeah, it all depends on how you take it. And, like, you know, obviously, like, yes, you can't necessarily get away from the language Paul uses about, like, sacrifice. Um, But, like, his interpretation, like, how he's saying this and all this rhetoric is what he believed would be the best, best way to present the gospel to his audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And the beauty of the gospel is that it can like mean multiple things across different cultural contexts. It exactly. just all connects back to like the goodness and love of Jesus. So in our modern day this Jesus sacrifice thing isn't really helpful and kind of seems like child abuse and
1: <laughs> um,
0: yeah um I do like something that Tim Mackey in his Bible Project video on Romans, which I know I know I should find a better Bible summary, but at this point it's probably the best we have. Um, and I did that- watch that one
1: earlier today. I mean, it's a good source. I mean, and at least they
0: don't, even though he technically is theologically probably not affirming, at least he doesn't. You know, for example, in his explanation of Romans one, he doesn't get homophobic. You know, he like just talks about the general idea of like people being trapped in sin. Um. So at least he doesn't speak on it.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, so
0: the quote that I liked is, "Jesus became what we are, so that we might become what He is." Um, and I think that's a better way to like to translate Paul's ideas to today. I think. Yeah. Um. You know, that's why he had to like f- experience the fullness of humanity, which did include death and betrayal and <laughs>
1: here's another point where i'm like just watch our watch our episode on the death I, and resurrection of jesus <laughs> i don't you know what we'll just include these episodes in the resources yeah. because again we go into if obviously we're touching on them a little bit here but if you want to go deeper with any of that like please uh, feel free to give those a listen
0: Yeah, I feel like Paul, what Paul's getting at often is that, like, the salvation, new way of life, a new family that Paul talks about, like, is not something we earn. It's grace given to us through Christ. And um, also one thing that I noticed um, in chapter four, yes, he gives a rather polished take on Abraham, that, like, he was this perfectly faithful person that when in reality like you look back on the story and he definitely questioned how the hell God was going to make him a father of the nations
1: exactly and that's you know I think that's a normal response when you're a hundred and are told (laughs) you're going to have a child Um, so again that's very interesting that that's brought up like he wasn't a man of perfect faith like that's kind Mm -hmm. of the point yeah and yet still and yet still
0: despite that his faith Although imperfect, was reckoned to him as righteousness. So,
1: and also keep in mind, people like Abraham and Sarah, like they listen. The whole Hagar story really makes me question their morality compass. So, like, also <laughs> Abraham like pretended
0: his wife was his sister at one point in order to make sure that she didn't like get sold as a prostitute or something. But
1: still. oh, yeah, you're right
0: kind of cowardly i don't know but
1: but then again it's like it's probably been like what thousands of years between that story and then paul um oh yeah writing his letters and i so mean of, kind of we and have i yeah. mean at this
0: point we probably have i guess like he would read that story from one of the scrolls in in the temple or something like that I should probably look into, like, how scripture was read back then. I mean, he definitely knew, he definitely could read and write, obviously, because he, he's write. he does, like, write, I think he writes, I guess, his letters himself. Um,
1: yeah, and I, I bring that up specifically because, like, think about how much our interpretation of the Bible has changed even in the last couple hundred years. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of things can be painted over with a certain brush. Like, Noah's Ark is told as a like a jolly children's story when it really They're isn't <laughs> you know only all of humanity dies um so it's that thing of like i wonder how much through like rose-colored glasses paul would potentially see someone like abraham through all of that time and again being someone who was a pharisee
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah he was taught in the ways of the the law and he definitely yeah he's very positive about Abraham overall um I guess one thing I want to get into is that like something that I learned a lot about as an evangelical that I still really love is Romans 8 um I mean you know not necessarily the way it was always talked about I, I agree with now but I really like have just found kept keep kept finding life in that text and that's why that's uh, mm-hmm. when I started off I started yeah. off reading from Romans 8 31 through I guess the end of Chapter 8. And it was the it was the verse through wait.
1: Actually I we believe were... verse verses eight through eight thirty-eight through thirty nine mm-hmm. are the is the one that always gets me. Like again, <laughs> we don't film this, but I was very much snapping my fingers. <laughs> um <laughs> along with what you were saying, um about like how we are all um one in christ like that whole thing and that nothing can separate you from god's love like that whole yeah
0: and the verse about um well it's interesting i think the translation that i read doesn't use the phrase more than conquerors but that was a theme of the very last summer camp church summer camp that i went to because i was i guess i had finished my senior year and that yeah that was my last summer camp um and yeah just reading that verse was really powerful for me and I just sort of like you know when I when I read Paul say like nothing in nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of Christ like that that means that nothing like you know I'm like I I take those words literally of Paul you know like because I think there's a truth that resonates there
1: I know like and again the idea of Christianity the thing that makes it in my opinion so beautiful is that it has this radical notion that anybody can be redeemed Even the worst people in the world, like as long as they repent and are sorry and are willing to make that change and help undo the harm that they've done, anybody can be redeemed. Um, And similarly to that, nothing can separate us from God's love, which is like... Mm -hmm why i love that verse so much
0: and like then it's like when why then evangelicals when presenting the gospel say that we are separated from god like there's a chasm because of sin because paul says right here like nor anything else in all creation and even he, it even says like nor um like, he- like heaven above or like the depths below. neither death nor nor angels nor rulers and Sometimes I think it says nor demons, but I think here it says nor powers. I think um, I've seen
1: I've seen the translation with demons before as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So again, it's like even these
1: folks out here being like the people who are homosexuals have demons. <laughs> I... It's like if even if we did, they can't separate us from God's love. So what you going to do about <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting? So I'm um
0: I'm gonna read such paraphrase a little bit from yeah the face of water a translator on beauty and meaning in the Bible by Sarah Rudin. she talks about this passage in Romans 8 um and like yeah she she goes she's actually so she is a scholar in uh, classical literature and so she talks mm-hmm. about how this compares to like uh, for example the Greek or- orator Demosthenes um and just goes like, sort of bit by bit in the phrase that and like how he constructs an argument through these verses um he sort of constructs a virtual conversation a second question if god be for us who can be against us contains an antithesis or highlighted perhaps artificial contrast the practical answer to this question is obvious god may indeed be for us but that doesn't stop scary majorities of mortals from being against us everywhere we go Paul means, of course, that ultimately, and in the ways that matter, there is no human being against us. But this very compact opposition of terms makes the idea quite punchy. Um, Which I think is cool that the idea, because we think if God is for us, who can be against us? is a thing of like, oh, we're so I mean, I feel like evangelicals, especially when they incorporate this idea into worship music, it's like, oh, we're so high and mighty, like nothing's going to stop us. us. (laughs) Whereas like this sort of interpretation here is that like, oh yeah, we don't need to we don't need to fear one another. We we don't have to be we don't have to be against one another. We can choose to work
1: together. Yeah, leave it leave it to God and they'll show you they'll show mm-hmm. you the way if you're willing to listen, I would say. Because again, a lot of times people do awful shit in the name of God. Um But again, there's kind of that like thing of like I don't think God is the one telling you to be terrible.
0: Um there's also the, when the phrase, I guess, the spared, God didn't spare, God's own son, um, it goes back to, like, the idea of um, – I'll just read this paragraph. Yeah, um, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, the verse contains sharp antitheses, begrudging, surrendering, giving for free, God's own single son, everything that exists. The three verbs are a progression – by way of, I'm not going to pronounce that word, or surprise toward a climax. I think she uses a Greek <laughs> word there. Um, paraprostokia. I don't know. Okay. Anyone would naturally hold back his son, his most precious relation, according to ancient values, from anything not in his best interests. But the verb for surrendering that's used here is often about indifferently or cynically, if not under force, turning someone over or in a slave. For a torture as a witness to a crime, a hostage, a criminal, of a trade friend or countryman. This word is repeatedly used of Judas handing over Jesus to the authorities. Yet this exercise is bizarrely aimed at the giving of everything good to everyone who wants it for free. Yeah. Um let's
1: see. Um, what was the word that um you couldn't pronounce just so I could see if I could find the meaning of it?
0: I think well she says like you know, she uses this word and then says, or surprise, so I think probably that's what it means, but paraprosdokia P-A-R-A-P-R-O-S-D-O-K-I-A.
1: Um, so it's a,
0: it's a literary device, yeah, for
1: unexpected. <laughs> Fascinating. I had never... Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, if you like, if you're, again, a Bible nerd wanting to get into the language, Sarah Rudin's really cool. Um, she also has her own translation of the Gospels out published. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, and I guess I, I'm just sort of going through here and sort of looking at specifically what I sort of highlighted or underlined in my reading of it. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. So the list about, like, what will separate us from the love of Christ, you know, all these and then the list of sort of all these words. um, The list is quite interesting. I'm starting to quote here. The list is quite interesting. The second item, distress, literally narrowness, sounds like expressions in the Psalms for the distress in which the speaker is, if I put it colloquially, jammed or stuck. But on the whole, the situations and conditions in Paul's list are the kind, the the poor dread and the voice of the psalms is not that of a poor man. Even this word for peril was often one associated with legal troubles, fearsome to the less well-to-do who lacked the influence, skills, connections, and rights as well, of course, as the material resources they needed to come out well in this arena and who faced grimmer outcomes. Exile was the worst punishment someone of the citizen class would normally suffer under the law. Um, I think I probably highlighted that passage because it's like, some of the conditions in Paul's list are the kind the poor dread. So that's sort of who he's writing to, probably. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And then the the thing that's like the verse about being more than conquerors. Wait, let me see exactly. Oh, yeah. Wait. So that... My my NRSV translation says more than conquerors, but th- does the new version say more than conquerors? Let me see. Because the... Um, for those who don't know, the NRSV recently—I guess last year, late 2022—got a update, and so yeah, NRSVU. I say nurse view.
1: There's, I. You know what? I like that better. Uh, what chapter was it again?
0: Oh, Romans eight. I'm looking at it. So Romans, the end of Romans eight. Um, so no, in all the okay, yeah, it does change it against conquerors, probably because, like, I would say. I mean, I don't want to make too many assumptions, but I think the people who are behind the NRSV right now are of the more progressive lens because it's an ecumenical council of churches. Um, um No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. And so, yeah, taking out the word conqueror, I feel like makes sense, given the history of the word conqueror.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You
0: know, the, the conquistadors and imperialism and yeah a lot
1: of really shitty things have been done in the name of god
0: (laughs) but I do like that phrase we are more than victorious because well you know there's still like a way that that can be weaponized and very used in like this triumphalist sort of way but I also think it's can still be used in good ways like that we we have victory over these things that threaten us you know I mean when you think about it yeah it's like persecution famine nakedness these are things that the persecuted christians in rome a lot of whom were in the lower class or were women children slaves were very much daily real realities for them Mm -hmm. and paul is saying like hey in christ like we are actually uh well actually oh yeah i brought this up because (laughs) um sarah rudin says that in verse that." 37 has a handsome hyperbole, a very rare verb that should mean something like we are uber winners. (laughs) (laughs) Radical. Perhaps the operant metaphor is, if not one of legal victory, then one of war. Um, It is is a joke, and also not a joke, to compare the religious life with um, sort of like an athletic uh, imagery. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. I sort of jumped and Skip to probably no, important part. Okay. So it could be a one of war, but more probably this has to do with a- athletics, favorite imagery of Paul's. And so it is a joke and also not a joke to compare the religious life with what went on at the Olympics. Um so yeah, that's sort of where the language is coming from. And um and then there's the part about saying Paul, Paul says that I am convinced. And so the reader should be persuaded by Paul, not because Paul is a hotshot with words, but because Paul himself has been persuaded. The power that acted on him beginning on the road to Damascus and not his personal cleverness and skill, speak through him to others. Most important of all, this verb has the same root as the noun for faith. Christians are persuaded. They trust. They have faith. They surrender their intellectual authority of God in the name of their inexplicable salvation. Um, and then... You know, there's the idea of power itself has no power to get in the way of love. And um, the passages exposition of what is and isn't done can can't be done to us is joyfully resolved in our new possession. God made human and God given to us to keep. Huh. So those are some important sort of things that I highlighted in her explanation
1: of that part of Romans. I like that. And again, it kind of harkens back to like, I think what Rob Bell had said in one of his books. I can't remember which one right now. Probably Love Wins. I don't think it was Love Wins. It might have oh. you know, been, maybe, oh, maybe it was Love Wins. I've read, I've read all of them. They kind of mushed together at a certain point. Um, but the idea that like Christians of like today and in the United States, like their belief system is going to be so much different than a Christian living in the Middle East or a Christian living in a place mm-hmm. where where Christians are very much persecuted. Um, I feel like those like people that live in places where Christianity doesn't have power is closer to what we saw 2,000 years ago and I mm-hmm. think closer to the love and community that we hope to embody as Christians than whatever we see here. And I realize I mean, that- I no
0: way, I know that this isn't the same, but I would say that queer Christian community also can have- like, even in the US, that's sort of similar vibe, given that so many of us, like, have faced, I don't necessarily want to call it persecution, but definitely have faced challenges regarding living as a Christian and queer.
1: Yeah, I think, like, again, I think the persecution really, I think it depends even on, like, the community and everything as well. Like, what was the community you grew up in and that whole sort of thing. Um But Yeah, I definitely see it like in the queer Christian community. In marginalized Christian communities. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's there's it's so much more about resilience and community and taking care of one another, which I think was Paul and the Yes. Paul's dream was
0: like, yeah, like I you know, Paul like had his own specific things about like order and of course we'll get into someday the letters attributed to him that have stuff about gender, which most of those probably weren't written by him, but,
1: um. yeah. but. I think, isn't it at the end of Romans? He does like what I call the shout out section, where he's like, mm, shout out to my girl Phoebe. She's a deacon. Oh, yes. We should talk shout about out. that. <laughs> um, like, let's see. Like so, he de- he de- okay. The amazing, powerful. Women about in the, at the end I of that. Commend-
0: so he says in Romans 16, start of Romans 16, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Kencree. So that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from you, for she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. And the fact that he mentions her first right at the start of his shout-outs probably means that she would have been the one to read the letter
1: to the Roman church. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I'm sorry, she was the deacon. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't writing to mm-hmm. like any like it wasn't any particular like, specific, like, oh, it's just this person in the congregation. Like, she's presumably the leader and the benefactor for this church in Rome.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so my people yeah, says that right. deacon could also just mean minister. Some yeah. people like to say, though, it could also mean servant, and that could send the that women are here to serve. But aren't
1: all pastors servants of God, regardless of gender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like don't knock my girl Phoebe down. <laughs> um,
0: also, another thing is that actually the next person that he technically greets is also a woman: greet Priscilla and Aquila, who worked with me in Christ Jesus. They were a like basically a pastor couple. The first very the first pastor power couple,
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, and they, and again, it's the fact that Priscilla is mentioned first.
0: Mm-hmm. Always, pretty is... much always, always yeah. In- everywhere in the bible priscilla's first it's funny I also maybe about... wrote the book of hebrews maybe maybe maybe
1: that yeah. can never be verified but maybe that'd be that'd be
0: pretty awesome though um also let's see other women mentioned here greet mary um who has worked very hard among you greet oh my god we need to talk about this Greet andronicus and junia let's talk about junia. Junia. i
1: love my girl junia okay because I... some piece some
0: somewhere along the way someone decided that it couldn't be a woman mentioned here. So it's going to be Junius, yes, which is a male yes. name in the Greek. Because, and it's it's
1: not even really a male name. It'd be like saying, Tiffany, let's do Biffany That sounds masculine. That's basically <laughs> right, what it really, was. It was like, let's change it to something kind so, of masculine just specifically The reason
0: why they thought this couldn't be a woman, it says, my relatives who were in prison with me, they are prominent among the apostles. And so the fact that it says prominent among the apostles, given that no other women... In the bible are technically called apostles you know mary mary magdalene is given the title apostle to the apostles but that isn't that isn't necessarily from scripture it's from church tradition given that she was the first to proclaim the gospel Absolutely. but this is the first this is technically the only time where a woman is referred to i mean not directly i guess but is basically called an apostle um and so that's why someone was like that can't be a woman
1: some guy translating the bible was like that that's not a woman. No, we get we need to change her name to something that isn't actually a dude's name. And mm-hmm. then years later, when you have historians looking at they're like, wait, Junius wasn't a name. <laughs> back then, it again, it's like changing Tiffany to Biffany because it sounds more masculine. Um it's like, wait, Biffany isn't a name of anybody. <laughs> Tiffany's a name though, and historically a female one. So that's how mm-hmm. uh Junia was given back her status as a very powerful woman in the church.
0: Mm-hmm. And then also, greet those workers in the Lord, Trophina and Trofosa. Um Also, I don't know if this is a female or male name. Greet the beloved per- Persis.
1: Uh, Let me see. This is a quick Google search. Ah, uh, she's a woman. Okay,
0: cool. And then another woman not named, but um, so greet Rufus. So at first it's a male name. Greet Rufus chosen in the Lord and greet his mother, a mother to me also.
1: Ooh. <laughs> okay.
0: Right? There we okay. go. Paul praising women. Like being yeah. like, this woman is a
1: mother to me. Greet her. <laughs> yeah, so I need y'all to like, shut the hell up about women in church because Romans is full of them.
0: Yeah, like, greet uh, Philogius, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And are there any other... Let's see. Okay, that's about it. But that is still... Like, that is a lot of women that are just in that one
1: <laughs> Yeah, know? and again, it's mostly in uh, Romans, but then in other books um chloe who is a prominent woman of corinth was it was from chloe's people that paul then at ephesus learned of the divisions in the congregation of corinth and in philippians he expresses appreciation for euodia and oh this is a name that does not have nearly enough vowels s-y-n-t-y-c-h-e um who were fellow workers of the gospel so but definitely romans is the one where he's like i don't think all my women who mm-hmm. are working for the Betterment of society and our community. Yeah, Which again, I mean, makes me feel so many freaking complicated feelings about Paul, and I realize that a lot of these feelings come from interpretation of Paul's letters and even the ones that he maybe didn't even write. But it, but then he he says stuff like "give my regards to these people" and Romans eight thirty eight and all that sort of stuff, and then he goes and says something dumb, and it undoes some of it. So. Again, one of the many reasons why Paul's complications. I mean, like, yeah, it's like,
0: ultimately, Paul, like, I know this feels cliche because I say so much, like, Paul's a human, and so, like, and, like, and, like, ultimately, I always, like, go back to, like, I think his motives and intentions are good. That doesn't excuse, like, the harm that has been caused by any interpretations of his words, but
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like, I ultimately like I think when I get to heaven I'm gonna ask him a lot of questions, but I'm also gonna be like, hey dude, let's go break some bread together. You know. Absolutely. <laughs> um and like I think that there is still things to be taken from this in terms of like how to how to live in community and like the joys of following Jesus in the midst of, like, lots of challenges. Um, It's interesting, yeah, how he talks about, I guess, like, they're, like, kind of little prayers, I guess, in... Well, I guess at the start and end of the letter. um, And the way that it sort of shows his actual relationship to the early Christian community, I always think is really interesting. Like he, um, in the very start of Romans, he, he talks about how much like he wants to see them. He's kind of prevented right now, but he really wants to come and like see them so that they can, um, for I'm longing to see you so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you or rather so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he also said, Okay, and of course, one of the words that's used, actually, I'd be curious to see if this was changed in the nurse view, but this is the NRSV before the update. Um, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, hence my eagerness to proclaim the gospel to you also who are in Rome. But I like I like the idea of, like, I'm a debtor to both the wise and to the foolish, I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm about to check if they changed the word barbarian. Um. Okay, it still uses that, but maybe I guess that's maybe just the best historical translation.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: he also did. He has called the people of what the people of Crete he says are terrible. Like <laughs> he has. Listen, Paul has his issues. Um, do you have any more thoughts, particularly on like I don't know, like middle and end, because we we talk a lot about the beginning. Um, I mean, part of this is also, like, when you read it, it's like, God, Paul, get to the point, you're so wordy. I mean, you know, like, when you, for example, like, what I was reading about, like, how he uses the Greek Greek rhetoric, like, to talk about religious things, like, it gets just really complicated in the language, and so then when people translate it, it also it's really complicated in the language
1: yeah of course like oh my gosh there's so much more that i feel like can be discussed about this book so maybe at some point we'll do a part two of this
0: um i feel like we literally always say that every episode
1: <laughs> <laughs> listen that's like again we're, we're just casually unpacking an entire religion here like there's, right. all, there's always going to be more to say um but yeah like it's again it's been a very fun there's lots of discussion of like
0: the law and what makes us righteous and yeah do we need to follow the law and paul's ultimately like you know if you want to if you're circumcised cool but also if you're not cool like that's Um, fine
1: (laughs) he's like listen the old me would have said you have to but the new me is like no it's okay um i remember in school we had to memorize romans 12 um Hmm. and so it has become one of my favorite passages. Mm. Like it's, it's very much like going into again that community. Like how community yeah. and love. My, my Bible the says true the Christian.
0: sort of the little heading above it is the new life in Christ. Marks of the true Christian, like living yeah. in harmony with one another. Yeah. Yeah. To not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I love
1: that. Um, but Shit, like.
0: We <laughs> Like, yeah, we <laughs> have we talked about Romans thirteen being subject to authorities. Oh my God. Which what was used by oh God. What is his name? Who used it like to justify the separation of children from their families back in twenty
1: seventeen? Oh gosh, there's so Wasn't many it, people that, that had...
0: guy in one of the southern guys in Congress. Yeah. Which one? There's so many of them that are bad. Um, I'm gonna look it up because I feel like he also was the guy that was like made fun of, I think, on SNL being like, I do declare or something, or like I I, oh, recuse, yes. I recuse myself. Like Oh I think shoot. Him. Oh gosh. I'm literally Googling guy who cited Romans 1 to justify Romans or Romans 13. That's
1: so a, who a who lot s- of a lot of people have recused themselves. Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions! Just sessions! God, the Trump administration <laughs> I, I found, was so topsy-turvy I, I, like who was even in charge at I that found out
0: by googling guy who cited Romans 13 and sessions immediately came up <laughs> Good That's crazy At this point
1: <laughs> I put I um, recuse myself and George Santos came up um which I am I cannot is... wait for a deep dive cuz that guy is um I I don't know how listen oh, yeah, I can't I can't get a job I don't know how he has one
0: so. Didn't Fundy Fridays already do a thing on George Santos? James did one, right?
1: Yeah, James did on Fundy Fridays right? on George Santos. He's the one that is gay and lied about his mom dying in 9-11 and then lied about being a drag queen, even though there is very much evidence that he um, was a drag queen in Brazil. Um, yeah. So Anyways. we,
0: we kind of mentioned, yeah, so Rome, Romans 13 in 2017 was used by Jeff Sessions to justify the separation of children from the families at the Uh, Mexican border Um, and let me just quote it I guess let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God therefore whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment for rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad do you wish to have no fear of the authority then do what is good and you will receive its approval For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do what is wrong, you should not be afraid, for the authority does not bear the sword in vain. It is the servant of God to execute wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore one must be subject, not only because of the wrath, but also because of conscience. For the same reason you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, busy with this very thing. Pay to all what is due to them, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, Mm -hmm. respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due." except then also write the verse right after. Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Uh,
1: Paul. <laughs> buddy. Um, bro. Did you know and how the- poorly this was going to be misinterpreted? And <laughs> or also the I just, I just about, like
0: what I mean, even in the society he was living in, I was like, did, like, you realize how fucking evil the Roman Empire is. You're a Jewish man.
1: Like I <laughs> I don't know. There is a part of me that maybe interprets it as like, you know, like do your thing, be kind and good to one another, but like keep your head down. There's kind of like that's at least the vibe well, that's, that i kind That's a of vibe get from in like
0: it. several of like a way that Paul has been interpreted is that sometimes he says things not necessarily because he truly believes them, but because he wants the church to survive. <laughs>
1: Exactly. yeah exactly um and he doesn't it, want to get handle- yeah. to even like the line from hamilton i think aaron burr says it in my shot where it's like i'm with you but the situation is fraught you've got to be carefully taught if you talk you're gonna get shot um mm. that's i mean like a spoiler alert for hamilton and foreshadowing <laughs> but like that's kind of what it reminds me of it's like listen like i agree with you and we're gonna keep doing our good work regardless of what happens but we got to keep our heads down um but again it's been That that passage has been utilized to give people their shitty interpretation of the Bible, like uncontrolled and unchecked power. Mm -hmm. Um, It's why so many people again, it's the Trump worship is nuts to me, but it's not surprising when you're taught that everyone in leadership has been put there by a divine power. What's so wild to me is
0: that, like, despite the fact that Paul was trying so hard to not be radical, he still was executed by the Roman state. Like, so you might as well have been more radical, Paul. You ended up being executed anyway. Like,
1: yeah. <sighs> I you heard for a good time, not a long time, Paul. Like, <laughs> let's go. He thought the world was going to end in his lifetime. Why give a fuck? Like, <laughs> and I was like, whatever. He's like, I guess you can get married if you can't control your lusty urges, but like, the world's ending, anyways. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's like I guess just looking at it he I guess he assumed he sort of assumes just good of the people in authority, which is kind of weird because again
1: he's going to be murdered by the Roman state. I wonder uh, also if maybe because he was once in a position of authority as well, maybe there's because that sort he's ro- of
0: so yeah, he is although there's he is a Jewish of Pharisee, he's a Roman citizen, which is sort of different from a lot of the Jewish people
1: around him yeah so maybe it's like kind of that thing of like they can't hurt me because like I am a Roman I was once in a position of leadership I've been on that side before um so maybe part of me wonders if maybe that was part of it was mm-hmm. like I he could maybe see himself as slightly more untouchable mm-hmm. um because of his former uh leadership status
0: mm-hmm
1: um well unless you have anything
0: more to chat about i feel like we've done a pretty good coverage of like some of the biggest misconceptions which is always the point the big goal of our deep dives is to like break apart the biggest misconceptions yeah absolutely Um, i think
1: i think we covered again we covered the beginning we covered the clover. we covered the end um there's so much more to romans um again maybe someday we'll do a second part but for now seeing as this one required so much research I think we did good for today um so hopefully you, you learned did you share stuff on Wikipedia and uh, I know you have kind of I had Wikipedia open at the very least oh, and okay. was browsing through um but at the very least like yeah we hope that maybe you have learned something new and can understand our complicated and feelings don't be afraid- Paul and sometimes decide that you disagree. <laughs> exactly. Paul was but a man. Um and he said some dumb things sometimes. And he said things that were wildly misinterpreted.
0: And he also said things that were good. And yeah. ultimately, like the point I feel like one of the big points of Romans is like, well, literally, oh my god, I'm looking at one of the headings of Romans 14. Do
1: not judge one another. <laughs> like, Paul, buddy. Uh the calls coming from inside the house my guy <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh yeah because it also specifically this do not pass judgment on what another talks about also the thing about um food like because there was the idea of like um some of the meat available in their city was like that had been sacrificed to idols and so Christians were like uh can we eat that and Paul's like um those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God. While those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. So just be like, do y'all's own thing, whatever is your conviction, and yeah. don't judge other people for it, they Yeah, conviction. absolutely.
1: Yeah. Again, question all of it. Take the good, leave behind the bad. But again, question all of it. The Bible and God will not be mad at you. The Bible can't be
0: anything at you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) For people that need to hear it, the Bible is a book. It will not hurt I mean I was gonna say it will not hurt you. The Bible itself literally throws it at you. Filled with Christ's love. Uh, I mean (laughs) I mean like the Bible isn't going to physically get up and like beat you with a baseball bat, but like you're allowed to question, you're allowed to say, I don't agree with this. You're allowed to do that
0: and also reclaim the good parts. Sorry that I'm like, keep coming in and be like, and, but <laughs> there's just so um, much, there's so much to talk about. Um,
1: so anyway,
0: do we want to go to high of the week? Yeah, sure.
1: Do you have a high of the week that you would like to start off with? Cause... Um, let's
0: see. I got it. Uh, you can, one. you can say something first. Sure. Oh, God, I got to think about one. That's why I asked oh, you. Got it, got it. got it. Well, let's both think about why. Lol. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I feel like <laughs> this is kind of lame, but I I got no. some of the new fall flavors at Salt and Straw yesterday.
1: Ooh, yeah, that pretty
0: good. pumpkin spice tiramisu, and um, this is a returning flavor, but it's really good. Apple pie cinnamon rolls with Beecher's cheese. Beecher's is a local cheese shop in Seattle. Um, oh my gosh, it actually works amazing. cheese flavored ice cream. It works with with apple pie cinnamon roll
1: filling. <laughs> that sounds amazing my stars. Um I guess in a similar vein like again maybe to keep it a little bit more lighthearted and it's small but it's not it's a highlight it's a high of the week. Um just the amount of books I've been able to read now being done with school I'm also trying to force Ugh, myself to not look at my computer looking all the time.
0: forward to that, I've Ugh. kind of been I've been reading like lightly over the summer especially because I'm like I'm going to go back in deep, you know, in the fall. Yeah. Uh, I've been mostly like <laughs> watching TV shows and stuff. Um But I've been reading, I've been finally, I'm going to finally try to finish Take This Bread by Sarah Miles. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Also, I started watching today or yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, yes, I started watching the Netflix One Piece live action. Oh, shoot. Um, Okay. How is it? um, I think it's good. So,
1: Are you familiar with One Piece at all? A little bit, yeah. Okay, so I'm I think, familiar like, with Netflix's live-action adaptations, I and think they haven't so,
0: been Well, great. so this has been pretty good. The only okay. thing I'd say about it is something that, like, isn't good, but it was also inevitable with making a live-action, when Luffy, like, when it's made clear that the main character Luffy is made of rubber when he stretches, it looks ridiculous, but that, like, even if they had the highest CGI budget ever, it would still look ridiculous.
1: Exactly, so- it's taking cartoon <laughs> physics and trying to put it into live-action. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I yeah again reading. Um, my disability is not a prayer request, I, mm. and then I just finished a book called um, "Gay Lives," which is about different. Oh my gosh! Queer wait, our are our next
0: topic episode yeah. should yeah, be yeah. on in October. Should be on disability, I think.
1: Oh, I would love that.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Because yes. mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that like isn't like too research heavy. Because I can also talk about like neurodivergence and stuff. Um, yeah, but anyway, indeed. in terms of our actual next episode, it's going to be our interview with Matthias Roberts. Oh, my God. New, I, I forgot book, that it
1: was going to be here.
0: <laughs> Whose Stop new book, it. Holy Runaways, comes out. Um, it's going to come out like the week after the podcast episode goes up. So very excited about that! I'll, that's actually get amazing. To, I'll get to attend an in-person book launch at
1: the Seattle School. So oh, that's so cool! And also <laughs> shout out to Matthias Roberts because uh, April's using your mic. Um, <laughs> yeah, finally, I kind full of full circle. <laughs> even though
0: it's really simple to set up, this is my first episode using it. Even though I got it
1: in January. Oops. You know what? It's been <laughs> a busy time. We're both in grad school. Like it's cool, but yeah. Onto the plug. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Reclaiming the Garden. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Reclaiming the Garden or on Twitter at Podcast. Be sure to check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, and you can always check out our merch store to get t-shirts, mugs, and other fun merchandise. If you are able to, please be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does boost us in the algorithm, but we are grateful that you are here and listening, so if that's all you can do, We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you soon.